welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast. This is episode 153. I am Mel from Metal Hammer. Hello everybody. Hope you're doing all right out there in this strange pandemic world that we still find ourselves in. Uh, This is a special episode where I talk to the one and only Simone Simons from Epica. They have a brand new album, Omega, which came out last week via Nuclear Blast Records. I suggest you go give it a listen. It is huge sounding. It is bombastic. It is progressive. It is conceptually loaded. It is everything you want from a new Epica record. Uh, so we thought we'd have a little catch up with Simone and find out how she's doing, what went into making the new album, the songwriting process behind it, what it was like actually writing and recording a new album in the middle of a pandemic and whether they thought twice about releasing an album in a pandemic uh, and in a climate where they couldn't actually tour and, and play those new songs live. We talk about the fascinating mix of influences that go into Epica's sounds and also Simone's own influences and how she first discovered her voice as a classical singer. You can find out about the legendary metal band that inspired her to make the move from pop singing over to classical Uh, we also talk about touring what she misses most about being on the road what she's looking forward to most about getting back up on stages when the time is right we talk about disney movies and her favorite disney movies to sing along to when she was a kid Uh, it's all in there it's all good stuff and if you like what you're hearing if you're loving the new album you want to read even more from epica uh, don't forget to go and pick up our exclusive epica edition of our recent issue there are only 200 of these ever made and they come with an exclusive cover featuring simone it looks absolutely awesome you're going to want to frame it when you pick it up and as well as that we also got simone to personally hand sign 200 lyric sheets one of each comes with each copy of this special edition issue Uh, as i said there's a only 200 of these ever made and they are selling very fast indeed so if you want to pick one up head over to tinyurl.com slash epica bundle they will be gone soon and you're not going to want to miss out on those uh, i should add that very very close to the end of this interview in the final kind of minute or two there's a brief couple of seconds where it sounds like uh, simone or i are talking over each other a little bit that's because when i compressed the files together there was a strange delay and uh, i had to kind of edit around that which meant that it sounds a little bit like um, I'm kind of cutting into her talking uh, for a second or two near the end of her final couple of answers. Um, But I wasn't interrupting her. It's just the way the final edit came out. Uh, But as I said, that's very nearly the end. The rest of it is all gravy. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. So I'm going to hand you over to my chat with Simone, which happened earlier this week. All right, I'm here with Simone now. How are you doing, Simone? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very, very good. Where are you at right now? Are you out in the Netherlands? No, I live in Germany, but I am from the Netherlands originally, but I've been living in Germany since uh, quite a while now. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. And what's the what's the situation with the pandemic out um, like out there at the moment? Uh, we were in a complete lockdown up until today. I mean, today they are opening hairdressers again and certain salons, but it's like, um, I don't know, half lockdown at the moment schools are also not running back full force it's two days of school every two weeks which is basically nothing so um yeah but we're healthy and uh keeping ourselves busy homeschooling doing lots of interviews (laughs) well glad to hear it um uh, i mean recording an album in this kind of environment must have been pretty challenging uh was there any kind of hesitation in releasing the album once you'd finally got it together because I guess when you first recorded it or started to record it at least you might have been thinking that by the time it came out we might be a little bit further out of this whole thing so once you guys realized that wasn't the case was there a bit of a hesitation in putting it out in a in a climate where you're not able to tour it and play shows properly 
Yeah, when we were recording the album, when we were almost finished, that's when the lockdown came. Uh, the everything was recorded up until the lead vocals, so those had to be re recorded, you know, in the countries where we live. Mark, my colleague, lives in Sicily, and I live in Germany. And our main studio where we record the album is in the Netherlands, and uh, that was middle of March. So I remember I recorded my vocals close to where I live, so I could go there in the morning, be back home in the afternoon. And Mark recorded at his home studio. And when while I was recording my vocals, bands were coming back from tours. Bands had to cancel tours, and I thought, okay, the album's going to be out in September. Tour's going to be in October. We should be fine. But then, as the months went on, I found out like this is going to take a while. And then we postponed the release. We postponed the tour, and then we postponed the tour again. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I guess we were hoping that with the postponement of the album and the first postponement of the tour that things would be back to normal. But yeah, this is quite a resilient virus. Yeah, of course. Well, it's uh, I guess at some point it just comes to the point where you just think we just got to get our music out there. and We've written this album and we want people to hear it, right? Yeah, you want people to hear it. But I think music is such a powerful tool to elevate your mood and just makes you, you know, it's uh, it's like a drug in a way. And it's a great way to, you know, get get by in everyday life. And also, especially now, a lot of people are struggling and uh, music has given me so much. And I hope that we can also offer a little bit of that peaceful state of mind or make people drift, drift off uh, to our music and forget their daily problems. Yeah, I'm not sure if uh, I could drift off to... Uh, the albums are made it's out right now, of course, but I don't know if I call it an album you can drift up to. It's it's very bombastic. It's high energy. It's, uh, mm. you know, dramatic. Um, it, it's been the longest gap between studio albums for you guys. You've had you've had a few projects uh, in the last few years. You've had EPs. You did the uh, Attack on Titan project, which is really cool. But in terms of a full album of original Epica material, this is the first record in nearly five years. So why do you think it kind of took that space of time for you to all get into a situation where you felt like you could do a full album again? Uh, after we were done recording, uh, no, after we were done with the tour cycle for the Holographic Principle, we were kind of drained. I guess our batteries were a little bit empty and we were really in need of a little tour break to just catch up uh, with family and friends and just be home for a while, not be uh, shock our bodies with countless jet lags and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, first of all, we had a, the biggest world tour ever for the Holographic Principle. Then we released the Solar System EP, and those were originally songs that were also recorded for the Holographic Principle CD. Um, Attack on Titan, as you said, was an EP that we worked on. And then we went into the sabbatical, and during the sabbatical, Basically, it was just a touring break. We were still working and we were writing our biography, The Essence of Epica, which people can get at epicabook.com. It's sold on a separate website if anybody wants to have some reading material now. Um, then we remixed Design Universe, which is our, uh, I don't know, is it the fourth album? I lost track. <laughs> that album was 10 years old and we remixed it and we uh, we recorded a couple of songs in an acoustic style. And then we went to do some shows to promote that 
anniversary edition, the gold edition, we say, from Design Universe. And then when we came back from tour, that's when we basically hit the studio to start writing and recording. And that was then 2019, November, thinking that we would release it in 2020. And then it was released a little bit later. So time flies by. We were definitely still busy, but we really needed the time to recharge our creative batteries to be motivated and feel inspired again to after write that, music. And I think it was the right decision to do that. After that much time off from kind of committing to a full length album, because it's just such a different project to have to get stuck into. Were there any kind of nerves in the camp? Were you a bit unsure whether you kind of still had the capacity and the, whether you were in the right place mentally to commit to something like this? Um, my thought was that when we got this email from our producer Yos while we were in Latin America, we just did our last show. That was Costa Rica. We were having breakfast. We were in between the palm trees. It was November or October, I think. And uh, yeah, it felt like a holiday. <laughs> we just said we only did a couple of shows. And then he sent us a schedule like, yeah, let's get together in November and start writing new songs. Let's see who has some songs already waiting to be used. And I thought, oh, that's that's early, you know. I was enjoying the break, but on the other hand, it's good to have somebody push you a little bit because I'm a lazy bum. I mean, <laughs> I needed somebody to kind of shake shake me up a little. I don't so, know if you um, get this far into your career being a lazy bum. To be honest, you've been, you've been doing this. No, while. but I am. I do need somebody to put like to set dates for me or deadlines or something right. to work towards uh, that's what I've been doing now also doing the lockdown and not being able to tour keep myself busy set goals um it sounds silly but I, I like to do my yoga every Sunday morning it's of course digitally but it's so easy to say nah I'm gonna stay on the couch but I have to do that in order to not become a complete couch potato <laughs> yeah that's fair uh the, the album itself as I said is very bombastic it sounds huge uh, the kind of album that I think could only come from Epica. Um, again, as is often the case with you guys, it's a very conceptually loaded album. Uh, I want to make sure I've got this right. This is serving as the final chapter of a conceptual trilogy that was started uh, with the Quantum Enigma in 2014 and uh, continued with the Holographic Principle in 2016. Um, why did you want to kind of continue that theme and kind of bring that thing? Uh, I was going to say full circle, but I guess it's more like full triangle. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is with Epica is that we basically have recurring topics uh, all the time. And um, for this, it's, you know, we, we always have like cornerstones that we like to touch. Uh, and I think this is definitely not so super scientific as the holographic principle and the quantum enigma. This is like the spiritual ending of it all. And uh, we have the kingdom of heaven part three where Mark, uh, who's the writer of the lyrics, also the music for the largest part, he's talking about how science and spirituality have to come together and find out the true meaning of life. And that's a little bit the, the thing in a nut, nutshell and that all of us have basically these labyrinths within ourselves that we are trying to explore, which we try to navigate and 
um, yeah, find our way in life. Sometimes we get lost and hopefully we'll get out on the other side. What do you think draws you guys to kind of dealing with these bigger, almost existential questions? Because it's quite a loaded thing to try and fit through the prism of, of music. <laughs> yeah, yes. Epic has never been writing about Dungeons and Dragons, no disrespect, but uh, we we always love to talk about what's going on in society, in our personal lives. Um, one of my favorite subjects back in the day in school was philosophy. So, um, yeah, that's those are things that kind of keep keep us going, uh, that spark our interest more than fictional stories. So. Um, on the record, another topic we write about, of course, is global warming. I think a lot of people are doing that nowadays. We're becoming more aware of what's going on. And through our music and our lyrics, we get to inspire people and uh, yeah, give them a little push as well to start thinking about what's what's going on and stir things up a little bit. Very fair. Um, I read that you originally, so please correct me if I'm wrong, this is internet research strictly, but I read that you originally sung, you kind of grew up singing pop music and then you changed to classical singing uh, when you had Nightwish for the first time. Is that true? Yeah, about 80%, I guess. Um, I always loved singing. I was uh, the classical Disney princess. Uh, I loved watching Disney movies. I loved singing along to Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and of course, The Little Mermaid. Um, and after that, I wanted to start my own like Spice Girls <laughs> with my Amazing. sister. So I think I, I wrote my own lyric, my first lyric at the age of eight or something. I could already speak a little bit of English. So the song was called Don't Be Afraid. Um, that was my first song. I, I don't have it any, I don't have it written down. I think I just memorized that was my it. my first question if you had it right, um, it's written down anywhere. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Um, and when I started to get more into music, my parents always had the radio running, uh, like the popular radio during the day and on Sunday, classical, classic FM or uh, the heavy stuff. My dad liked to listen to Brahms. And to me, that was like funeral music. I did not have such a huge love for classical music as I, or appreciation as I do now. And um, I started to get into the rock scene, like Silverchair, Deftones, um, Live, Radiohead, Garbage. Um, yeah, my like my best friend back then, she was totally in love with Kurt Cobain. Mm. I I never had a thing for like blonde, blue-eyed boys. I'm more into the dark, long hair and dark eyes. And that was my first boyfriend, and he was into metal. He was a black metal head, um, so to speak. <laughs> and he. Uh, he was wearing on the schoolyard like Cradle of Filth t-shirts and he looked super cool and I thought oh he's gonna be my boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> and he became my boyfriend and then he dragged me into the metal scene so I, at first I was into black metal and a friend of his gave him a cd from Nightwish uh, for me to listen to I already knew Tristania, uh, Lacuna Coil and but Nightwish was the first real deep rich classical female vocal combined with a uh, with um, metal music and i just love the combination plus they covered the song which was my childhood favorite song that's walking in the air from the movie the right. snowman 
and that was like okay i love this band and um i back then i was having singing lessons like just normal pop jazz singing lessons but i was bored by it and then made the switch to classical singing lessons at the age of 16 17. i mean you say made the switch but that's not a switch everyone could make so when did you did you kind of realize quite quickly when you decided you wanted to give it a go that your voice suited that style and then did you kind of feel like wow my voice suits this style even more than what i was doing before i guess i just started singing along to the songs and had it already uh developed a little bit an imperfect technique that sounded like classical singing so that just i found it quite enjoy uh, enjoying and um i loved how the voice changed when you sing classically and um a fun fact is that one of my aunts of my mother, so I guess you could call a great aunt, she's a singing teacher as well, classical singing. And um, my parents asked her to come over and have me sing for her so she could give me some advice. And she told, there's actually a photo of her and me in the book, The Essence of Epigram, when each band member is talking a little bit about their relationship with music and how things came to be. And she told me I was still very young and my voice and body need to, needed to develop more before I would start to get into the heavy techniques of classical singing. And of course, I didn't listen to her. I went ahead and got singing lessons anyway. So when you kind of started to think about being in bands and, and heading towards metal, um, was there much of an avenue for that style of, of singing in metal at that time? Because we did have bands like Nightwish and I guess bands like The Gathering and, and similar bands before that. But, hmm. that, you know, there wasn't exactly an abundance of bands in the scene of that style at that time. So did you find it easy to kind of make your way bringing that style of, of music into metal? Uh, well, I remember bands like Lacuna Coil, um, of course, Nightwish Within Temptation, After Forever. Um, yeah, uh, The Gathering, of course, Mandelian is one of my favorite records of all time. And um, Annika released also her newest solo album on the same day as we did on the 26th of February, which is really funny. And we toured together and she's a really a, a sweet, very talented woman and very down to earth despite of her, you know, um, her name, her, you know, she's, she was one of the pioneers, I guess. She, I, what I know from my own research is that Nightwish or Thomas also was, inspired by by her by her singing but then started working with taria who had this beautiful classical voice and that's how nightwish came to be but um there were not many bands with female singers and back then it was labeled as female fronted metal even though that didn't say so much about the style i guess it was uh, decided that it would be symphonic metal or gothic metal but nowadays it is so outdated to use that term because the only thing you know is that there's a uh, a woman doing the vocals and the style of the band um, doesn't that doesn't define the sound of the or the yeah, style and, and the you band. guys seem so unique I was going to say in that scene but like you say it's probably a bit misleading to even call it a scene as such like to say that what you're doing is the same as where within temptation or at etc etc is is ridiculous because there's there's such a unique uh, aspect uh, and of what you do. Um, one of the things I find really interesting about your music is is 
you can just see all the influences that have come in from so many different places. You can kind of see some Middle, influ Middle Eastern influences kind of coming in and things like that. Where do those kind of elements come in from? Well, we had that yeah. in the beginning of Epica. Our, our first name before we were called Epica was actually Sahara Dust. And uh, that was because we already had these Middle Eastern influences in our music, songs like Saifaldin. Um, no, I can't think of any. As, yeah, yeah, as the band, as we grew, we had Fools of Damnation, we had Death of a Dream. We had quite a lot of songs that were hitting a little bit that style. And I love that. I love the combination uh, of those two styles. And on this record, it returned in songs like Seal of Solomon, mm. uh, Code of Life. Code of Life is one of my favorite songs. I love to sing a little bit arabesque style. Um, it comes natural to me. I, I haven't studied it or practiced it. It's a very emotional way of singing, I guess. I just close my eyes and we do like three takes. I just improvise and then Yost is like cutting, pasting, taking out the best parts and a very talented singer from the band, a Tunisian metal band mm -hmm. called Myra. Okay. We toured with them as well. And we asked uh, Zohar, the singer, if he wanted to uh, do some vocals as well for that. And he's very good at it. And uh, it's just gives me goosebumps every time I listen to it. I, yeah, I, I am 100% Dutch, <laughs> but not on the outside, but not on the inside. I, I don't have anything with Dutch classical traditional dutch music i just prefer i see myself more as a belly dancer and the body of a dutch <laughs> dutch milkmaid <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really does suit your, you guys music and like you said it's been something that's been around it um pretty much since the very beginning uh you guys have some tours and shows planned across the year of course we're hopeful a lot of these things are hopeful we're hoping some of these things can go ahead um, what are you kind of missing the most about touring? What is it you like about being on the road the most? Uh, what I miss is definitely being on stage, singing, traveling. Ever since I was 17, I've been traveling a lot. And that was my life, my lifestyle, not just my job. And that was normal to me. And being home a lot is not normal for me. <laughs> and um, I miss the variation, the traveling, meeting the fans. And there's nothing compared to being on a live, on, on a stage, singing live, creating the music at that moment. Um, yeah, there's nothing, nothing compares to that. Nothing can replace that. So that's definitely missing. And I feel a little bit as if I'm on standby. And besides that, what I miss as well is that other people are cooking <laughs> for me <laughs> and, cle and cleaning. I mean, I feel like I'm a kitchen <laughs> slave nowadays. I'm just in the morning making breakfast lunch dinner and yeah i feel like a little bit of hamster stuck in in a loop like the mess never never ends i always keep on cleaning cooking uh buying food sleeping yeah, and then i think a lot of us are uh, having a very similar routine right now uh, is there anywhere left in the world that you'd really like to visit yeah. epica have been pretty much about everywhere there is to go uh, but is there anywhere particularly you'd still love to play if possible Yes, I, I mean, we went to New Zealand already once before, but I was so, so tired that I had to go and sleep. I had to catch up on some sleep uh, so I could drop my phone in the toilet mm. five minutes before the show. I was so jet lagged. Uh, I don't even remember much of the show, but um, we had the opportunity to visit the set where 
oh, Lord wow. of the Rings were, was filmed. Like, and I decided to sleep. And of course, now I'm well rested. I mean, I slept for <laughs> a year. So I, I regret that a little bit. But the thing is, whenever we are on tour, I have to make sure that I'm in the best shape. And if I feel tired, no matter how tempting a sightseeing trip is, uh, I have to I have to rest. But we are now in the kind of luxurious position that we can schedule a flights a little bit better so we're not completely exhausted. So uh, yeah, definitely New Zealand. I, I love Japan, but at this moment, I just want to be on stage. doesn't matter where it is. Well, hopefully it will happen sooner <laughs> rather than later. Um, what else are you hoping for this year apart from getting able to get out on the road and play shows again? Uh, I would love to just do little day trips with my family. Um, that's something we've never been big um, holiday fan uh, fans. I mean, if we would go on a holiday five days tops and then we would like to go back home, I guess that has to do with the fact that both my husband and I are tour musicians and home is like basically holiday sure. and that's turned around now. But uh, in order, you know, to still kind of explore the beautiful surroundings of southern germany we would always do like day trips to the black forest or the bodensee which is a, a lake at at the end um, in the south of germany that's connected to uh, switzerland and austria it's super beautiful there and go to restaurants <laughs> i don't have very high demands i mean i guess i'm like everybody else i just want a little bit of normal seed to return we all, uh, we all feel that way uh feel that way as well and uh, hopefully we will get to see you out here in the uk soon play those new songs uh the new album is called omega it is out right mm. now you can go listen to it buy it via various awesome platforms i've seen all sorts of cool vinyl packages you guys are doing as well um go and buy it pick it up it is huge as bombastic as metal gets in 2021 and that's what we like to hear uh, also, don't forget that you can pick up the special Epica edition of a recent issue of Metal Hammer featuring Simone on the cover. She has a copy right there. Awesome. Um, uh, it, it comes bundles with yeah. a hand-signed lyric sheet, hand-signed by Simone, in fact. You're flicking through it right now. Yeah, that, that's actually funny. I was, I was signing these at home and I had to ship them, of course, to the UK. <laughs> And then my husband was like, oh, I'm going to order one. It's so beautiful. You have to have one. And he kind of sparked the, the idea in me to collect the, the covers. So we were about to order one. And then I wrote Nuclear Blast UK if it's possible to get one. So I got one. And I also have a signed lyric sheet. But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I signed them to ship them. And then I got one back. It's like, maybe I'll just um, bring it with me on tour one day and just give it to a random fan that's hopefully a, it can make somebody idea. happy i kind of feel with, like if there's one that person one. that has a right to have a copy of one of these issues it's you so i think that's fair enough that you've that you've ended up with one um, there are only 200 of these packages made and uh, they have sold very fast so we don't have many left so if you want to pick up one of those uh, you can get them at tinyurl.com slash epica bundle that's tinyurl.com slash epica bundle uh, simone congratulations on the new album and uh, as i say hopefully we'll get to see some of those songs played live here in the uk and around the world very very soon thanks so much for joining us thank you for having me